0: Welcome back to Rare. Have you ever found yourself perusing those game shelves and realizing that every time you see a specific name, that's the one you go for? Well, this week, me and Ashley talk about some of our famous favorite game designers. Well, enough of the details. Let's roll the dice and get this episode started. I'm Ricky, and I'm Ashley. And this week we are talking about some of our favorite game designers. Well, one particularly, I guess.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: Well, I have one, and Ashley has one. There we go. Yes. That's what I meant to say.
1: And and I will be honest. I am very much the type of person. Where I don't pick, like, a f- really, like, a favorite designer. Because, like, I don't really have, like, a favorite artist. Like, music artist. Or, like, um, book author or anything like that. Like, if I like something, it's because of what it's about. Not necessarily who did it. Because <laughs> um... I, I just... That's just the kind of person I am and I'm very particular about what I do like and it's not necessarily the person who made it every time.
0: <laughs> right? Um I wouldn't say that I have like a favorite for any of those things either. But usually if like I've consistently liked something from a particular person when i see something new that they did i'm usually like easy to jump on it Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that they're like my all-time like ride or die favorite but i just know that there's somebody that i like and enjoy
1: yeah because i mean i do i do have a designer to talk about and uh spoiler it's james earnest um (laughs) (laughs) haha zing um but i would say it's just because of the games I do have, I recognize that he's he is the designer, and I do like them, but I'm not going to say, like, I seek his games out, if that makes sense, because I was looking at his list of games, and, like, 90% of them I probably had never even heard of, so. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: even for mine, like, there's some games of his that I have no idea what they are, but. A lot of the games on the list, like, I have at least heard of them, and a couple of them are actually, like, really popular. Uh, But uh, I'll just give, like, a little bit of a quick history of my person. Okay. Uh, um, So my designer is um, Juve Rosenberg. He is of German descent. Uh, He founded... Lookout Games in 2000 with a couple of other designers, Uh, and then he co-founded Furland Spiel in 2012. Uh, His first game was Bonanza, which is a card game about beans. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which I think, like looking into it, like I think so. How they spell it is B O H N A N Z A. And I think B-O-H-N is bean in German. I'm not entirely sure. So I think if you were to translate it, like, obviously, since it's a like a name, you don't translate it. But I think if you were, it would be beananza. Oh, I mean <laughs> like that, Beans. Yeah. Beans. <laughs> beananza. <laughs> um, but some of his notable games are... I I say it's Agricola, but I know that's not the pronunciation of it, so sorry. Uh, Another one's Caverna, uh, Patchwork, Feast for Odin, Cottage Garden, Indian Summer, Spring Meadow, and New York Zoo, which some of those I will talk about. Thanks. And so yeah, Uwe Rosenberg. Uh,
1: That's really funny because I recognized more games on that list than on James Ernest Notable Games list. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah well i specifically picked out like the notable games the ones that i've heard about and or have seen on like game shelves
1: gotcha gotcha that that makes sense i guess i could do a little little blurb about james Ernest. and i'm not gonna lie this this is coming from uh board game geek <laughs> it's they have the descriptions of um game designers um and James Ernest has been designing and publishing games since nineteen ninety three and he actually started with uh, Wizards of the Coast and okay. in nineteen ninety six he founded Cheap Ass Games, which published over a hundred games, which I like a lot of cheap ass games. Um, I really liked what their kind of how their model started was basically um really like you bought like the cards and like Mm -hmm. maybe a game board and then you used like dice and pawns that you had around your house or you could I think print stuff out yourself sort of thing that was like their original model Um, and then uh, in 2003 he joined with Mike Selinker for Lone Shark Games And, uh, some of his notable games, at least the ones I sort of kind of recognize, um, Kill Doctor Lucky, Give Me the Brain, Before I Kill You, Mr. Spy, Lord of the Fries, and Pears.
0: I, I think I knew two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, like, a little tidbit I did find before the the game Before I Kill You, Mr. Spy. It used to be called Before I Kill You, Mr. Bond. And they got okay. in trouble for the name. Because I remember, I think I remember seeing it on a shelf with Before I Kill You, Mr. Bond.
0: At one point yeah. in time. It could, it's probably, like, a copyright thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Uve's done, like... I, I counted like the number of games on the list that I could find and it even says that it's like a like a what was the wording that they used? They abridged a list. Ah, and yeah. And even on and even on that list there's 33 games. So <laughs> he's done 33 plus games. <laughs> <laughs> and he he's kind of like evolved from like card games to like more heavy strategy like mm-hmm. worker placements and then into like the more polyomino themed mm-hmm. or mechanic type tile place or not really tile placement but it's like the polyomino placement yeah type games
1: i feel yeah. i i think i understand what you're saying i i don't super pay attention to that sort of thing i know the games that at least i particularly like from james Ernest are more in tune with um like kill dr lucky um and then lord of the fries which um is a spectacularly zany game i love it and i never get to play it because it's slightly confusing so it's hard for like new people to pick it up but yeah i i think the game is a riot so i like those those kind of games Mm -hmm. um but he's done a a large variety of games
0: yeah well i guess we can jump into some of the games that we have played from our designers uh the first one I'll talk about is one that everybody knows that I love to play (laughs) is Patchwork! Yeah, Patchwork! Because you can't... Well, I personally can't talk about this particular designer without mentioning Patchwork, because I just love (laughs) it so much. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Patchwork is a two-player only game. It runs about 15 to 30 minutes. Uh... Obviously, the designer is Uwe Rosenberg, and the publisher is Lookout Games. <laughs> Lookout Games. Um, I think uh, another, some other publishers is also Asmodee, mm. and I Mayfair Games, which okay. is like the one on the picture. But um, I think now that like he had like his own. Like, Lookout games? Like, mm-hmm. maybe that's... Yeah. Because Patchwork came out... Well... now I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I'm randomly for no reason. Uh, anyway, so in Patchwork, uh, what you're trying to do is make quilts. Uh, and the polyominoes are in... Uh, are designed kind of to look like little patches or like quilt pieces and you each player gets a nine by nine board and then there's a third board that goes in the middle that kind of is like a round tracker a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, and then the pieces are all labeled to have uh, a button amount and a movement amount so uh, the button amount is the amount of buttons that it costs to buy that piece. And then once you place it, uh, you have to move however many spaces it says on the piece. Uh, Basically, what you're just trying to do is fill up as much of your board as possible before uh, both players' tokens get to the middle of the board. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout the board, there's also little button icons. And every time you pass over a button, you kind of get like an income phase. And the income phase comes from the amount of buttons that you have on your pieces because the pieces also have buttons on them. So you start off with five and then you can uh, slowly accumulate more through the income phase and the amount of buttons you have on your pieces. And then uh, at the end of the game, once everybody's had their final income and both pieces are in the middle of the board, you uh, count how- however many buttons you have and then you also have to count how many empty spaces you have and each empty space is minus two points so a lot of the times you can actually end up the game with like negative points because your negative space points far outweigh your buttons yes. <laughs> um, so it's not un- it's really not uncommon to get like it seems like a ridiculously low score uh the main thing is just you want to beat your opponent um, so, um, and then, uh, another bonus thing is if you can complete a 7x7 square within your 9x9, you get a 7x7, like, you get the 7x7 bonus, which is just 7 points at the end of the game, and sometimes that can help you, like, push past your opponent, or sometimes it just, uh, just helps you not be so negative. <laughs> but it's a really fun game, I highly recommend it, especially for two players, not that there's any other option, but, like, if you want games that are specifically two players, I highly recommend this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it also does have an app, so you can play it against, like, AI, and the AI are ridiculous. Like, I'm surprised, like, at how often I lose to the AI in yes. that game. Yeah. Like, it's... they're pretty hard. Yes. So if you want a challenge, I would definitely... Get the app and play against the AI. Yes, one hundred percent.
1: Like I had it, and I'm like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm playing on easy, but I, I'm also just really bad at like the the strategy aspect of the game. (laughs) Yeah. So what I've
0: noticed, especially with like the owl AI, is they just try to quickly fill up as much space as possible. And they don't really worry about like holes. And uh, they more so go for button count. And so, like, usually at the end of the game, they have like 30 or plus buttons. It's like stupid, ridiculous how many buttons they usually end up with. And then they also try to go for the patches to kind of fill in the holes that they make. But they're just trying to like kind of force themselves to skip just so they get more buttons so it's not like a it's like it's a good strategy but not like a solid strategy necessarily but it's it's still stupid hard because they always have like a butt ton of buttons
1: i i do i do love patchwork though
0: yeah yep and well that's patchwork beautiful Uh, they do they do have other themes too so there's the the regular game which is perfectly fine they do have a christmas edition which i think the pieces look like little like packages and then there's the halloween edition which is still it's got like a quilt theme but like the patterns are halloween-ish themed and i think they have like a americana themed one
1: Yes, they do have an Americana-themed one. If you're just super into Americana.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's more like... Um, uh, it kind of reminds me of... Um, I mean, it's Americana, which I think sometimes is a little bit hard to like put into words, but I think Americana is more like... It's specifically like patchworky but i always find it to be patchwork with like um like reds and blues kind of like american flag yeah i I think
0: americana is usually like a red white and blue kind of theme yeah um but yeah anyways apparently there's a folklore china and a folklore taiwan edition oh (laughs) that'd be interesting whoa there's actually a lot of editions but i think some of them just aren't sold here
1: Oh, they're more. Oh, yeah. There's
0: also a Valentine's Day one. Yes. So, like the pieces look like little, like uh, inserts of with chocolates in them.
1: Oh, that's right. They they made them like, uh, yeah, like you're filling a chocolate box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is very it's cute. cute. <laughs> um, well, speaking of chocolates, I mean, not really. Um, I'm gonna talk about <laughs> Lord of the Fries. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> um so I don't know if you know anything about Lord of the Fries. It's I I love this cuz I I have the the super deluxe edition. I I won this at I think a raffle. I won this and like all the expansions. So I do have all of them. Um but it's it's Welcome Back to Fridays and it's spelled like F R I E D E Y like fries kind okay. of um, the fast food restaurant of the damned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because uh, it's zombies running the restaurants. Interesting. But, um, so the, the super deluxe edition automatically comes with, uh, two decks. It comes with the like regular Fridays, fast food and then it also comes with McFry's Coffee Shop. So each of these expansions have like a dumb name. <laughs> I'm just going to put that right out there. They all have kind of stupid names. <laughs> um, so each deck can play two to six players. But if you um, combine decks, you can play up to eight players, which I think is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is designed... By James Ernest, and then it's published by Cheap Ass Games. Um, so what what you do is you deal out the cards, and you deal out like cards specific to like the number of players. So if, like if you're playing with like four people, everybody gets eleven cards. The less people you play with, the more cards people get. Um, and then. On each round, you have to choose an order from the menu by either rolling it or calling it. And so there's like a little menu list that you get, um, which it's like for like the coffee one, you have fancy drinks, coffee drinks, desserts, smoothies. um, And you can either just call for like fancy drinks and or you can just call for like coffee drinks. Or you can roll for it. Um, And then you have to fill the order. Um, So everybody has cards in their hand. um, And everybody has to place cards to fill the order. So if the order was a fancy drink and it was a triple shot, that means you need like three coffee mugs. And everybody has to play a card where they can pass. And if everyone passes, um, the customer gets impatient and you can leave off an ingredient from that list. Like some of the ingredients are a little bit more complicated. Like in like, um, the fancy drinks, a Powerball has two coffee cups. Um, it looks like I think that is uh, oh what's it called? I lost my words. Words are hard. It has it has fruit, and then I want to say flavor. That's I was like flavoring. Um, so if like people have played two coffee cups, and then it goes a full round without anybody playing anything, you can leave off like the fruit, um, and then. Once the item can be played with no cards, so, like, if it gets around again and again and, like, items start dropping off and then eventually where there's no more items left, um, the the next player must take the lead. Um, and I'm trying to, like, explain this game. Like I said, it's kind of complicated. (laughs) Um you want to fill orders like you want to fill orders but you want to fill big orders. You don't want to like just take like little tiny orders cuz you're wanting to empty out your hand.
0: Right? Makes sense.
1: Um because you add up the number of all the cards that you have played and then then you subtract what's left in your hand. So that's how you can like wind up with like a negative score point which is no bueno. And then the day ends when one player is out of cards and then you score and then you play for four rounds or like four days. And then once four days is up, whoever has the most points wins. The, the, like I said, the game is like weirdly complicated, but once you get going, it's really fun because everybody gets noisy and is like yelling at people to like play cards or not play cards. or are like, how dare you take that ingredient because I was going to play that ingredient sort of thing. Yeah. Um, But I have all the expansions. So uh, the first expansion is Las Cabezas. It's a Mexican restaurant. Las Cabezas. (laughs) Um, And then you have Long Walk on Short Pier, which is the Chinese restaurant. (laughs) Um, Then you have Gicaroni's. I think is how it's pronounced, uh, and that's the Italian restaurant. And then you have the McPubba hands, which is the Irish pub. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, all the, all the cards are like themed. Each one of the like decks are standalone playable. So if you just wanted to get the like Chinese restaurant deck, um, you can have that and just play that. I just, like I said, I I got this at, like, a raffle or something like that and got all of them. And it's all the art on the cards has, like, really dumb-looking zombies on them. Um, it's really bright and colorful. It's meant to be, like, just funny and fun. Um yeah. But I I just I really enjoy it and get a kick out of it. And it's it's a it's like a type of game I haven't really seen, but um, at least like the theme and like the style. I've seen games where you're going around trying to get people to lay cards down or not play cards down sort of thing. Uh
0: Um,
1: But yeah, that's that's Lord of the Fries.
0: Nice. Sounds fun. Yeah.
1: I'll break it out sometime with you and you can see how zany it is.
0: <laughs> Do it! The next game I'm going to talk about for Yuve Rosenberg is New York Zoo. So this is one of those games where... I, it kind of caught my attention. I looked at it and I saw it was his one of his games. I'm like, I'm buying this. <laughs> uh, this was also the one where I think I talked about it in, in another episode where uh, I like to check the components. Mm-hmm. And the component list wasn't on the in the rule book. It was on the outside of the bottom box which was super weird, and I was, like, really frustrated at first because I didn't realize that's where they were, and then once I saw it, I thought it was really cool. Um, But I'm looking at the rule book now, and it literally says, looking for the list of components, check out the size of the bottom box. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, totally missed that the first time.
1: So if you had just looked a little bit harder, you would have seen that instead of panicking.
0: Yeah, well, I eventually found it, and I did think it was cool, but I totally missed the disclaimer <laughs> on the game. in the rulebook. But uh, this game is New York Zoo. It's one to five players, plays about thirty to sixty minutes, and designer is Yuve uh, Rosenberg, and the publisher is the Furlanch Spiel. So the second uh, game company. Publisher thing that he co founded. Um, so, in New York Zoo, basically you're just building and mating animals in a zoo. Well, you're building uh, exhibits and you're mating the animals. Um, so, it comes with a board that has a bunch of different sections on it, and you split up the different uh, polyominoes. I always have to think how you say it, because I know <laughs> if I just say it, it's going to come out wrong. Uh, and then also on the board is, uh, like, different, like, there's always two different animals that can mate at the same time, but not with each other, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, like, uh, on some sp- on one spot, there's, like, a kangaroo and the meerkat. Another spot, it's a flamingo and the kangaroo. Another spot, it's, like the uh, white fox, and the penguin. Um, So those are the different animals. You got uh, the meerkat, the flamingo, the white fox, the kangaroo, penguin. I don't know if I already said penguin. (laughs) (laughs) There's just five different animals. Okay. Um, Okay. uh, And then uh, there's different boards for different numbers of players and then on each board it also tells you like there's a one two three four five um to tell you like the order of who goes first so you kind of want to divvy them out randomly Mm -hmm. um and then whoever has the number one just goes first um so uh on your turn you uh move the elephant which is how you determine like which goes around the board that has The spaces for the pieces and the mating spaces. Um, You can move the uh, elephant um, one to four spaces uh, for two to four player games, or one to three spaces for three to five player games. Um, You can decide how far you want to move it. You can move just one space. and then so if you land on a space in front of the pieces you take the top piece and if you land on a mating spot then you mate like those animals that are in that area okay um uh you cannot land on a space that is empty though so once once uh like a section has been completely cleared out you can no longer stop on that space gotcha okay okay um the second thing is is you take the action on where the elephant lands so like i said you either take a piece or uh breed and then uh the last thing is animal breeding for all if applicable so uh moving the elephant and taking the elephant action is pretty self-explanatory um so you just uh, buy the enclosures and you add them to your zoo area. Um, and then on your board, there's also three little um, like holding areas where you can put animals before you move them into an exhibit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you can only hold up to three. Um, and then uh, if you do place a piece you can move uh, some of the animals that you have in the holding areas into the exhibit. Um, You can also move animals from an exhibit to a new exhibit if you would like to do that, but you always have to leave at least one animal behind in the previous exhibit. Um, And then um, during the mating phase, if you have at least two animals of the same kind in the exhibit those ones can breed if you don't have two then you can't um mate them or breed them obviously because you have to have two to make a baby (laughs) yes um if you end up filling up a full exhibit then you remove all the animals from that exhibit um but you can save one in your like little holding area if you want to and then you also uh get to take an attraction piece and the attraction pieces can be I think like one to six sizes um and they're just like um attractions so there's like uh a roller coaster or um like a hot dog stand or an ice cream stand or something like that, just to add a little bit of fun to your zoo because mm-hmm. you know you always have to have attractions along with the animals in most zoos. Um, and then basically, it's it's kind of like a race because the the end game. And the winner is the first person to completely fill up their player board. Okay. So it's it sounds kind of complicated, and uh, it, it the I I will say the first time we played it, there was a couple rules that we had to read a couple times to like fully understand it. Um, but really, like the rules, they're not very long. But they do explain the rules pretty well. We just were kind of dumb at reading them.
1: Oh, yeah, Um, that happens.
0: (laughs) um, But they do have examples for each, like, section. And the the examples really do help because they have, like, pictures and stuff to help, like, visualize it. And really, like, once you actually, like, understand... I think the most complicated thing is probably, like, the breeding and moving animals around. But once you understand that, the game actually goes pretty quickly and it's a pretty easy, like, end condition. Like, when you fill up the board, you're done with the game kind of thing. So, um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the animal aspect of it. I, I always thought it was fun because you're like, Ooh, I get to do this with this animal or I get to do this with this animal. Mm-hmm. And the little, like, animal meeples are really cute. Um, they're all, each one of them has, like, a different color um, but, uh, they also have, they're, like, all op- shaped in the shape of, like, each animal. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're really easy to tell apart from each other. I don't think I ever got confused between any of the two. Um, they're pretty easy to distinguish. And it was just a really fun, cute game, because you get to make little zoos. Aww. That so that's New York cute. Zoo!
1: Super Cute! Love it. Um, the next game I'm going to talk about is, uh, you remember Kill Dr. Lucky?
0: Yes, yes. Well,
1: this is uh, Get Lucky.
0: <laughs> Get Lucky.
1: It's the, it's the wow, wow. Kill Dr. Lucky card game. Um, and it's designed by James Ernest, of course. Uh, published by Cheap Game. And it's a two to six player game because I'm really digging two to six player games. Or I guess James Ernest is because the the games I will have are two to six players. (laughs) Um, So Get Lucky is kind of Kill Doctor Lucky in just a card format. There's no board for him to move around. Instead, um, Dr. Lucky moves from player to player. Um, so each player has two characters, and the characters are all numbered. Um, and then in the uh, middle of the table, which is the drawing room, there's three characters. Um... And then if there's less than six players, there's, uh, unused characters get put to the side. Um, and then otherwise everybody gets cards, which are kind of your typical, um, doc, like kill Dr. Lucky cards. There's motive and weapons. Um, and then there's opportunities and spite. Um, so what you do on your turn is you can do one thing. You draw a card, you play a card, you swap a character, or you try to kill Dr. Lucky. Um, Dr. Lucky starts at the lowest numbered character that's not in the drawing room. Um, the characters are numbered 1 to, I think, 13. Um... There, there's enough for everybody. Trust me. <laughs> um, so th- the way that the. Um, weapons. Motives and opportunities work. Is that they. There are. They're perfect. For specific characters. But any character can play them. So mm-hmm. like. If you have the character number two. And you have the weapon number two. That is like a perfect. Like bonus. And you get two points whereas if the number three character had the number two weapon they would only get one point for it Um, and you can discard um, upgrades like the weapons the motives and the opportunities to place a new one there but otherwise they're like permanent Um, So, like, if you swapped out characters with one in the drawing room, the cards that you attach to it would move with it. Otherwise, the game kind of goes a little bit like a normal, like, Kill Dr. Lucky game. Is if you try to kill Dr. Lucky, other players can play spike cards to stop you from killing Dr. Lucky. Um, And then... If you fail... You get to keep those um, spike cards, you get to keep one, and uh, it adds up for you, so it makes it easier to kill Dr. Lucky later on, it makes it harder for other players to stop you, as per the usual for a Kill Dr. Lucky game, and then Dr. Lucky moves, um, it in the next character in the sequence. So if he's at four, he moves to five. If he's at five, he moves to six, so on and so forth. And he also um, moves to the drawing room, then it's no one's turn. So the way that that goes is the player who had the last turn that had Dr. Lucky gets to draw a card and then everybody else gets to draw a card. But only if they hold fewer cards than the number on the character that Dr. Lucky is visiting. So if he's visiting a low number in the drawing room, nobody's probably drawing any cards. (laughs) Right. Um, But otherwise, you're just trying to kill Dr. Lucky.
0: (sighs) Dang guy. I know. Always trying to... Always getting almost killed.
1: I know. Um, I like it because, I mean, it is... Basically, Kill Dr. Lucky, but in a purely, like, card format. And I actually got this before I got the full board game, Kill Dr. Lucky, because it was right before they came out with their 19 and a half anniversary um, of Kill Dr. Lucky. So, it was really hard for me to find a copy of Kill Dr. Lucky until that that version came out. Um, but I, I, I enjoy Get Lucky, because it's just... It's a little bit snappier. It's um, a little bit easier to set up. There's not a board. There's just cards. There's just cards and a pawn that is Doctor Lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: But, I mean, yeah.
0: Eh. In the board game, it can be like really hard to get him isolated. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, and I mean this simplifies it because when he's with you, you have an opportunity to try and kill him. Um, yeah. I would say like. A strategy even for like regular kill dr lucky is just try and get a shot at him right away even if you don't have like any weapons or anything like that um just because it's going to force players to play spike cards on you which give you like more points later on and right. um and sometimes if nobody wants to play a spike card, it gets to the last person, they're like, Well, it turns out I don't have any spike cards and you win the game right away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It it's it's happened before, but I think it was like pure like luck that it got to the last person and they legitimately did not have any spike cards.
0: <laughs> I for I forget like which cards don't have clovers on them.
1: There's not I I think, I want to say it's The Rooms.
0: Mm.
1: I could be wrong.
0: I don't remember. It has been a little while since I've played it. Yeah,
1: but like, yeah, I think 90% of the cards do have clovers on it. Um, So it was a very rare happenstance, but it does happen. Sure does. But that's Get Lucky.
0: Woo! Woo! All right. Uh, my last game uh, is actually part of a trilogy, uh, so the game I'm going to talk about is Cottage Garden, but it's in a trilogy with Indian Summer and Spring Meadow. Cute. Um, so uh, basically, what that means is like all the games kind of have like a similar vibes and similar mechanics, but the They do play differently enough to be, like, their own games. Um, uh, another trilogy set is, like, Azul. Like, there's Azul, the base, like, the regular game. Um, I forget what the second one's called, but I know it has stained glass in the name. Uh, and then the third one is Summer Pavilion. Mm -hmm. Like, those three games, they have similar mechanics, but they just play differently enough. Um... Which I think is kind of cool. I actually forgot that it was a trilogy and that the third one came out. And I just got the third game, like, today. (laughs) So. uh, And we actually played it and it was pretty fun. Um, But College Garden is the first one that we got. And there is an app for it. So uh, you can learn the rules pretty easily by playing the app. Uh, But the uh, physical board game is also fun as well. Uh, Basically, in College Garden, uh, first I'm going to talk about things. So College Garden is one to four players, runs about 60 minutes, uh, designer, obviously. And then the publisher is Stronghold Games, and Stronghold actually does publish all three games uh, in the trilogy. So... Uh, In college garden. Cottage garden. uh, (laughs) College garden. (laughs) College garden. uh, In college cottage garden. Jeez. (laughs) That's a hard word to get out. (laughs) Uh, You're basically just making a garden. (laughs) Um, They also do offer like a... Oh, it's a link for Board Game Geek. Uh, there's a video of like a how to play this game. Oh, very nice. Um, I think it's in the other... I know it's in the third one, so I'm assuming it's on the second one as well. Because why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. Um, basically, uh, you're just trying to build as many gardens as possible to get a lot of points. Uh, so... Starting out, you do get two separate plots of land of uh, five by five, like, little gardens. Uh, some of them have little pots on them. Some of them have, like, little glass domes. Um, so they're kind of, they kind of act as, like, a like obstacles a little bit because you get points for having them exposed when you fill up the board. Um, so if you cover them, you... You you just don't get like this little extra points so you kind of don't want to do that So you have to kind of like you kind of want to fill the board in as best you can without covering them up but sometimes it's Not something you can really avoid and you have to cover them up, but there are pieces that give you um, More of the glass domes or you can get like extra potted plants and stuff Um, So During the game uh, you start with the re- refilling phase. So, um, uh, alongside like your two boards, there's another board that you keep track of that everybody has, and then there's a board in the middle. It's a four by four, and you have pieces in each section of that board. And then there's a like a brown tracker kind of thing that goes around the outside of the board. And when you have it, um, uh, like so let's say it's 1, 2, 3, 4, A, B, C, D. So if it's on 1, then you get everything that's directly under 1. If it's on 2, you get everything directly under 2, 3, and then when you go to like the A, B, C, D side, just for an example, then you get everything in... in- That row, Mm -hmm. so like the numbers is columns, the letters are like rows. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on like where it is on the board. It depends where it is on the board (laughs) determines which pieces you get to choose from. Hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, i
1: I think I think I get it.
0: Yeah. So you only get to choose from like four pieces. Turn unless, like, there's pieces missing from that row, then you only get to choose like three. Um, If there's one or two pieces in that like row or column, you get to refill it before you choose. Um, um, And then after you uh, refill it, you have the option to either pick a piece and put it onto one of your boards, or you can take a flower pot. Um, You can also do um, a mouse hunt, which the mouse hunt are just like little cat tokens that you can add to your board. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And basically it it doesn't do anything like super special. You just get to place a cat in your garden and all the cats uh, on the pieces are like napping. So they just decided to take a nap in your garden. They don't really give you, like, any extra points. They just help with, like, filling space. Um, because some of the sometimes, or a lot of the times, you end up filling up your garden and there's, you just have, like, a, a space here or a space there. So the flower pots and the cats just help fill in those extra spaces so you can complete a um, garden board.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and then in this game, like all of the other games that I've mentioned and any of the other three in the trilogy, there are placement rules. Um, Like, you have to put it on an empty space. You can't, um, like, overlap pieces. You can't place any pieces that would go off the board. Um, Kind of, like, common sense placement rules. Like, you just, you don't want to, like, overlap anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, if you've completely filled up a board, you go into your scoring phase. Uh, so the scoring phase is determined by how many flower pots or how many, um, garden cloches, I think is how you spell it, which is Clotions. like the glass domes are in your garden. Um, so you get three cute, three orange cubes and three blue cubes, For your tracker, uh, you can decide to move any of your three cubes at any time. Like you don't have to do like one all the way till the end before you do two. Like you can move up uh, the one token up the first time you score. And then the second time you can do the second one or you can just do the same one. It doesn't matter. Um, But so you move your orange cubes however many flower pots you have, and then you move your blue cubes however many garden cloches you have. So that's why you don't really want to cover them up or you want to try to like keep as many in your garden as much as possible. Um, you cannot split the points between two different cubes, but like I said, you can do a one on one turn and then a different one on another turn. Um, basically, you're just trying to get uh, all your cubes up to the 20 space, uh, I do believe that the orange cubes go up by like one point at a time, and the blue cubes are two points at a time. Uh. So because there there is a slightly less chance of getting the the glass domes than there are the flower pots because you can just pick flower pots if you want to as part of your action. Gotcha. Um, uh, one thing is the first player to move a cube into, like, the very top of their scoreboard gets a beehive, uh, it's, like, a double beehive, and then the second person to do it gets one beehive, and those are just, like, bonus points for the end of the game. Um, then you move to the gardener phase. hmm hmm Uh, so basically, you just move the dice around the board uh, for the next person, so they know that it's like that you're done and that it's their turn. It's it's kind of just like saying my turn's done, kind of phase. Um, and then uh, there is a part that's a little confusing for me, uh, even though I have played it. Uh, there's like a final round um oh uh, okay see I have to read the rules sometimes reread the rules sometimes so I understand <laughs> yeah. what the heck I'm doing right. uh because like every time you complete a garden um you take you clear off the board you add the pieces back to the like the supply line for, that filled like the the piece board And then you grab a new one. So you always have two gardens going at the same time. But at the end of the game, like if you started another one, because you just completed one and you have less than three flower tiles on it, uh, you can't count it towards scoring at the end of the game. So you just pretty much like discard it. So sometimes uh, and I've had this happen where I didn't have enough on either of my boards, so I just didn't get like a final turn at all because I didn't have enough on my flower or in my gardens to keep playing for the final round. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you're just losing out a whole turn on like scoring points. Uh, so you kind of want to keep an eye on like your gardens when it's getting close to the end of the game. And pretty much you just play until your board's filled up, I think. Okay. Oh, but like the longer, yeah, so like the longer that you take to fill up your board at the end of the game, um, you start losing points. For each round that it takes you to like finish your last boards. So like you can get more points but you also could lose more points if you're not super careful about what you're doing. So part of the strategy is like just timing your play with the end of like the rounds coming up. But Really, you just end up adding up your cubes and, like, where they're at on the board, and you count, like, for each cube. For all three orange and all three blue. Uh, you get extra points for your beehives. And then whoever has the most points wins. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> so. But, uh, each game also does have solo rules, which is fun. Um I like I like the the options of being able to play with like a full group of people or just by yourself.
1: Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um it's always nice to have rule variances, I guess. Yeah. But that's That's cottage garden.
1: Not college garden. Cottage. Not college.
0: Cottage. <laughs> Um, and then, like, Indian Summer and Spring Meadow do play kind of similarly, um, where they have, like, that, like, board with the pieces on it where you Mm -hmm. choose from them, and then everybody has their own boards that you're, like, placing the pieces on, um, the... Some of the, like, the, the Indian summer and the spring meadow have pieces with holes in them because there's, like, pot spots on the board where, um, like, if you cover, like, a spot with a piece, but you have, like, the hole and the thing showing through, through the hole, then, like, special things happen. So, like, there are some rule changes, but they all have, like, a general, like, same feel to them. Mm-hmm. So they're all they're all really cute. So like the, the cottage garden, you're making a garden. The Indian summer, you're like going through a walk in the woods during autumn. Okay. Is and then uh, spring meadow is you're kind of like on a, a trail. You're on a hike on a trail in the mountains, and you find a spot that's like springy and green instead of being all covered in snow.
1: Ah. And cute. there's like
0: little. Um, I think it says marmots, but they kind of just look like groundhogs, so I don't know like if that's the same thing or if they're like two different things, but they have are like maybe from like the same like family kind of thing. But it's cute. Check them out. Check all of them out all Very the time. Very
1: cute. Uh, yeah, marmots are uh, large ground squirrels so they're like groundhogs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> groundhogs.
1: I think we we probably just straight up call them groundhogs.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh off topic talking about marmots and groundhogs. <laughs> well, I I mean besides straight up like kill doctor Lucky I don't really have any other um, James Ernest games, um, but I'm gonna talk about one that I have played. But it's it's just sort of another variation of Kill Doctor Lucky, but it's the Island of Doctor Lucky.
0: Oh, uh, see, I didn't even know that there was more games to the Doctor Lucky stuff.
1: Oh yeah, there's 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 um there's a few, not like a lot but there's a few. Um, but the island of Dr. Lucky is, I mean, you basically play it the same as you would kill Dr. Lucky, except instead of being in Dr. Lucky's mansion, you're on Dr. Lucky's Island. Um, and with the Island, uh, as you would expect from a, um, beautiful, dangerous Island is that there are hazards. Um, And the hazards are cards that you can play to try and kill dr lucky as well instead of just using like a weapon um and it just it's kind of an extra thing to the game um but otherwise it plays pretty much the same as kill dr lucky but it's on an island instead so if you're in an island mood um (laughs) i love aloha i i love the names of like the locations on the island because every there's there's um a, a bunch of locations i think there's 24 locations so there's quite a bit of locations on the island it's a pretty big uh board um Then Dr. Lucky moves, you know, in ascending order, starts at one, then goes to two and three and four and so on and so forth. Um, The players still have to follow the rules. They can't be, um, I think the line of sight works a little bit different because it's like technically all an open map, Um, but some of the locations um, are pretty funny. Uh, so you have, like, your normal, like, there's an observatory, there's a lighthouse, um, you know, this the docks, the sunset beach. But then you also have Lagoon of the Squid God. Um, you have Moistly Lake. <laughs> uh, Tiger Woods.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Cliffs of Social Anxiety. That's a... That's a favorite of mine.
0: Truth. (laughs) Um,
1: So, yeah, the the names of the locations are are very fun. Um, Some of the hazards are like, you know, falling safes, quicksand, you know, the normal dangerous island hazards that you can run across. (laughs) Fun. But yeah, otherwise, I would say it runs like... I've only played it, like, I think, like, once or twice, and I liked it a lot. Um, for me, it was a little bit too similar to Kill Dr. Lucky for me to get it, um, although it is different enough. I'm like, yeah, I could probably get it. I mean, it's a fun, um, you know, you bring out the island of Dr. Lucky in, like, the spring and summer for those, like, beach vibes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, you know, Island of Dr. Lucky. Um there is the a variation that I have not played of kill Dr. Lucky and instead of killing Dr. Lucky, you're trying to save Dr. Lucky. And it, the game is kind of working in reverse where you're on a sinking ship with Dr. Lucky. I think you're actually on the Titanic. And so you're trying to save Dr. Lucky because you went to kill him later on. Gotcha. (laughs) So you're trying to save him. And then instead of the other players preventing you from killing him, the other players are preventing you from saving him because they went to save him.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. If they save him, they can get closer to kill him. Yes,
1: exactly. That is exactly the premise of it. Um so he's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the only difference with, I never, I've I have not played it, so I don't, I don't really know what the map is like, um, and I don't know, like, how much different the game feels, uh, but it it sounds like a lot of fun, and I love, like, the concept that you're trying to save him to get him later to kill him. <laughs>
0: right. That is pretty
1: funny. But yeah, like the the Doctor Lucky universe I find absolutely hilarious. And just the idea that this this Doctor Lucky has like pissed so many people off <laughs> that right. they all because if you look at all the character cards, each character has a reason that they want to kill him. And it is. Some of them
0: aren't very good reasons, and then some of them are pretty good reasons. Yes,
1: exactly. Like some of them are just like really, really petty. Like he
0: right. broke
1: up with me and started dating my sister. Like, <laughs> but yeah, the the yeah the the Doctor Lucky universe is probably one of my my favorite, uh, like game universes. I guess I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do like it when, like, games are from the same universe. I think it's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, um, a little bit off topic, but, like, the uh, the Captain is Dead universe. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different games, but in each one of them, the captain has died and the crew has to survive. <laughs> or escape, or what have you. Got to love it. But yeah, I would say overall, I like I like the games James Ernest uh, designed. Uh, I just I really like the you know the Doctor Lucky series. Um, Lord of the Fries is pretty fun. Um, he designed another game that I haven't played, but one of my friends uh, really liked. It's called Stuff and Nonsense. Um, I haven't played it. It's designed by James Ernest. I'm pretty sure it's published by Cheap Ass Games, um, But he said it's pretty much how it sounds. It's a game about stuff and nonsense. So...
0: <laughs> what a helpful explanation.
1: I know, right? Um, I haven't played it, and I... You know, that's all he kind of said. He kind of tried to explain it a little bit, but this was um, a few years ago. It's been... It's, you know... You know, the pandemic really kind of changed everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I never got to to play it with him just because we, you know, never really got to hang out for a couple of years, really. Because um, he actually owns it. But he said it's like you, you're collecting stuff and you're explaining nonsense about the stuff is kind of what he said. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm fascinated by it, it seems kind of uh in character, I guess to the games that I like and recognize, like the the Doctor Lucky series and the Lord of the fries like it's kind of that goofy, nonsensical sort of thing which i' I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all about
0: <laughs> yeah with with um uh, Rosenberg games I I like puzzles a lot and I like strategy. So usually if if he's got one of those types of games out, I'll probably buy it because I love them.
1: Yeah, cuz I think I think that's like if you know a designer and you like the designer, it's because they come out with a lot of games that you like, like that type of game. Yeah. And I think I think sometimes, at least for me, which is, it's great for designers to kind of go and make, like, varying games that are more, that, that are different from that type of game that maybe you like. So it's, you know, not to say that their other games are bad, but it's just not something that I prefer overall sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, I know uh, one of his games, Feast for Odin. Was really popular there for a while, and it's actually like a uh, I guess it's another polyomino game, but it's a worker placement, it's like those two things combined, which I find interesting.
1: Yeah, I've heard really, really good things about uh, Feast for Odin. I think that was on um, from many, many moons ago. I think we talked about it vaguely on our first worker placement episode it
0: probably it probably was like the top six
1: yeah i think it was in the top six for worker placement
0: um i just know that that game is like if you've seen the box like the box is huge
1: yes it's it's, it's a, it's a
0: thick boy box. <laughs>
1: yeah and i think if i remember right um we went to a game store and i picked it up and it's it's a beefy box <laughs> yeah it's not all There's air in there yeah
0: <laughs> That's that's one of those games. I think I've heard that it's just like is a long, a long game because there's just so much stuff going on. Yes. So like I'm I'm interested to just like see how that game is played because it is two things that I like. Mm-hmm. But I'll I'll definitely have to make sure I'm in the mood to be like sitting there for a while. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Um, which that vaguely reminds me don't don't ask me how my mind works because i don't even understand half the time um but we we need to think about uh doing our live gaming that we hit our goal for for extra life
0: yeah so so maybe that could be our question
1: what what kind of game do you guys want to see us play i mean you don't have to like you can suggest a game Or you could give, like, a type of game. Like, if you want to see us play, like, a heavy strategy game. Or if you want to see us play, like, a light game. Or, you know, whatever. We want to know what you guys want us to play for that live episode.
0: Let us know. Let us know. Let us
1: know. Um, And then, like all of our social medias where we like to hear from everybody um discord facebook instagram um the discord's been a lot of fun um the link is down in the will be down in the description um um oh and then uh tick i just posted um the part two two parts um just as a loose term because this this will come out Um, a little bit after I have that posted. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do have another video ready to go. I'm going to try and get some more videos up there. Um, I've been enjoying the TikToks.
0: (laughs) Tickety talkity
1: But yeah, we love hearing from you guys. We're having fun making content and all that fun jazz. Well, I'm Ricky. And I'm actually...
0: Bye! Bye.